Thanks so much for joining me, Mark, at Why Not Impact. Usually I have these short little three-minute uh, clips, but we also have an online church, and I've, I've thought that I'm going to um, actually record this message um, for today. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you, you don't only find it inspirational, but I also pray that you find it a challenge um, for your life. So 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. I wonder how many of us have actually read this. Or do we as Christians like to just push this aside because it's a little bit uncomfortable? Because what it says is this. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not maybe persecuted or if you are, make sure you deal with it. Will be persecuted. In other words, we can flip that around a bit and we can say that if we are not persecuted, then we are not living a godly life in Christ Jesus. And that's quite a, a scary statement for most of us, I think. So what does this mean? Does it mean we have to, as Christians, go and look for, for persecution? Do we have to go and find a place where, where we're going to be persecuted? Definitely not. What it means is that if we really step out... There will be persecution. And if we do face persecution, we do not run like you remember uh, Peter ran when he was seen with Jesus. And he said, I do not know him. He wasn't willing to be persecuted for what he believed. And that changed a lot later. We'll have a look a bit at that later on. But no matter what you were told, the day you became a Christian, no matter what you were told, I want you to know that there are T's and C's that apply if you want to live a godly life in Christ. And they are not as comfortable as what you and I would like. Those terms and conditions, you know those little things they add on at the end of advertisements and they say it so quickly that no one can hear what's going on. Those little uncomfortable things that come through and, and, and they don't promote them, but they have to say them, so they just say them very quickly. There are terms and conditions that apply if you and I want to live a godly life in Christ. Now, the sad thing about the church today, and I'm not blanketing it, and I'm not saying every single um, congregation is like this, but the sad thing about the church in large today is that it scraps those T and C's, those T's and C's, those terms and conditions. And it makes it about prosperity. It makes it about personality. It makes it about popularity. Our Christian leaders and pastors want more people in their congregations. There's nothing wrong with that because that's what we should aim for is to grow the, 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 the church and to, and to bring more people in. But they want more people to impress. So they go with whatever is popular. Today, everything is about being popular as a pastor. We want the, a rock star preacher. It's about prosperity. It's about having money. And you know, when you follow Jesus, then you're going to be blessed financially. And, and that's what we're teaching. And it doesn't mean that. It's all about these things that actually mean nothing to God. Churches are bowing down to secular government principles. 
because they want to be popular. Christian schools are cowering to the secular teachings um, out, of, out of threats that they will lose their funding. It's about money. We are selling ourselves and we're selling our morals and Christian values for prosperity, for personality, for popularity. Money and popularity should never be what drives a Christian. Because you know what? Being a Christian will be unpopular. But be the best Christian you can be anyway. The world hates the truth. The world hates the truth. And you might want to know, well, why is that true? Because, because it exposes lies. Because the truth brings light. And the light exposes darkness. A place where sin flourishes. And where lies breed. But in spite of that, live the truth anyway. Don't let that stop you. And I want us to have a look at, at Acts 12 this morning. I want us to have a look at, at, at what happens to, to Peter. Or, um, but before we do that, you know, religious leaders in those days... We're just going to look at a bit of a background, a bit of context here. Religious leaders in those days have had so much power and authority. And the politicians of those days wanted the backing of the religious leaders. So they would often do what these religious leaders were all about. And we know that the religious leaders of those days weren't a great fan of that man, Jesus Christ, of the Son of God. Because as soon as he said that he was the Son of God, as soon as he, as soon as he, he said that he is, his Father is in heaven, as soon as he, he spoke these words, he was condemned and he was told that he was blasphemous. And the religious leaders didn't like him very much. Isn't that, isn't that weird? That the very people who claimed to be religious, were the ones that didn't like the one that they claimed to worship, the God that they claimed to worship. But anyway, this happened. So the king at that time, Herod, wanted their vote. He wanted their popularity. He wanted their okay. So what did he do early on? He executed James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John. He executed him. Not because James did anything wrong, but simply because James was a Christian who didn't stand back when it came to the T's and C's that were attached to it. He lived his life for Christ. But he was executed, not persecuted, executed for that. And there's nothing prosperous about dying for your faith. There's nothing popular about standing up for something that is unpopular. So you see, the early church didn't hang on to the things that the modern day church is hanging on to. The early church was married to poverty. 
The early church was married to prisons. The early church was married to persecution. And I obviously don't mean literally married, but, but where the early church was, there was poverty. Because in most cases where there is affluence, there's corruption. There's division. The early church was married to prisons. People who, who were serious about their faith were locked up in prisons. And, and they smiled and they, and they were happy about their persecution because they were happy to be, to be standing up for what they believed. They didn't feel hard done by. Because when we are locked up in prison, we've got nobody and nothing except God to hang on to. It teaches us our dependence on God. And the early church was married to persecution. How many people were persecuted in Scripture we can just look at, there's, there's hordes and herds, hordes that are spoken about in Scripture, and then there's, there, there are thousands and, and thousands that aren't even mentioned in Scripture about all the Christians that were persecuted and executed for their faith. Persecution, as Paul says, teaches us perseverance. And perseverance strengthens our faith. So why would we want to be married as a church to prosperity, personality, and popularity, when all those things do is bring us down and make us weaker. If we want to live a godly life in Christ, we need to know that we will be persecuted. You see, what happens to us in this world is nothing compared to what is coming. If we don't stay focused, if we don't stay focused, then what happens to us in this world is nothing compared to what's coming. Remaining silent about Christ in this world out of fear of persecution is being like Peter when he sat around the fire before Jesus' execution, before Jesus' crucifixion. He denied that he even knew Jesus. God is calling us to stand up for him, in spite of those T's and C's that are not so comfortable. God is saying, if you stand up for me, no matter what you go through in this life, there's something that's waiting for you. Your reward is waiting for you in heaven. Because when we do stand up for him, in spite of the T's and C's, when we do that, he will open doors for us. And he will break chains for us that will set us free to see God's greatness and not cower to this world. Once we really know who God is and we really live in Christ, then the things of this world, the pain and the suffering and the difficulty we might go through, the persecution we might go through, won't bother us anymore. We'll be like Paul where he says, to live is Christ and to die 
is gain. What an amazing thing that Paul said. When we live for Christ, we will be like Stephen, who, who is stoned to death innocently, simply because he stood up for what he believed in. And he died the most cruel death. And he couldn't wait to spend eternity with his father. When we stand up for Christ, he will open doors, break down chains, open up cells, blind the eyes of the captives, so that we may go and do what God is calling us to do. Now in Acts 12 verses 1 to 19, we read about Peter. I'm not going to read through the whole text, but we read about Peter. We read about how he is put in jail. In verse 3, uh, in verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. He was kept in prison because he was standing up for what he believed. He was standing up and he was being counted as a Christian. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, probably the night before he was going to be executed, because he would have probably been found guilty. And Herod didn't have a problem killing Christians. So the night before that was going to happen, this happens. Peter was sleeping. How do you sleep when you're lying on a floor in a prison chained between two soldiers? How do you actually sleep? He slept like a baby because God was on his side. So the night before Herod was bringing him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. When the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to an iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through. When they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent angels and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. And I won't read any further. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. You see, God still had work for Peter to do. God still had something for him to do here on this earth. And I want to say to you that while you've got a pulse beating in your wrist, while you've got a heart beating in your chest, while you've got a breath coming out of your lungs, God has still got a purpose for you. And if you and I are not going to be so concerned about those uncomfortable terms and conditions that come with, with living fully for Christ, then He will use us until our time comes. Here's the thing. No man can serve two gods. We either say we serve God, but actually bow down to the lies and the laws of secular governments out of fear of persecution 
or we do serve God and we stand up for godly principles despite the persecution we might face. It's being all in for God. Tough times and all. Or it's nothing. We cannot have it both ways. We cannot, we cannot live fully in Christ Jesus and then want all the glitz and the glamour that we think should go with that. Because there's no nothing glitzy and glamorous about being a Christian. It means we will face persecution. We read that in 2 Timothy. We're either all in for God, tough times and all, or it's nothing. I want you to hear something today. Persecution has never hurt the church. Prosperity has. Persecution has never brought the church down. Prosperity has. Persecution makes us more resilient and more focused and more determined to be who God has called us to be. Peter was persecuted, but nothing could stop him. God used him to reach many, many more. And when he still had something for God to do through his life, God opened doors for him. God broke chains for him. God opened gates for him. God made him walk past people who were supposed to guard him. And he went right through because God had a plan and a purpose for his life. He grew as a Christian. Because before, he had denied Jesus. Later, and I don't know if you know this, but it's, it's said that Peter was crucified because of his faith in Christ. It is also said that he asked to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy of dying the same way that his Savior died. Peter grew in his faith from someone who was too afraid to admit that he knows Christ to someone who was too afraid to be to be killed the same way that Christ was because he said, I'm not worthy of that. He never cowered after that. He did what God had called him to do. He finished the race strongly. And I know that he's sitting today in heaven. He's sitting with his God. He's sitting with his Savior. There's two things as we close that I just want you to remember. If we want to follow Christ, we cannot let the terms and conditions, those uncomfortable little things that go with being a Christian, put us off. And secondly, when we are all in for Christ, he breaks chains, flings open prison cells that no worldly government can stop. And finally, if you and I were accused of the crime of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Father, and this might sound weird, but we thank you 
for the privilege of being persecuted for you. If we know, Lord Jesus, what you've gone through and we know what you've, what you've experienced while on this earth, who do we think we are for us only to want comfort and prosperity? That is not what you're about. You're about opening our eyes spiritually. You're about being with us no matter whether we go through the valley of the shadow of death or we're walking in green meadows, green pastures. You are with us. You are with us in the fire. You are with us in the lion's den. You are with us on the battlefield when Goliath faces us. You are with us. And Father God, if we commit fully to you, we know that you will break chains, open cell doors, let us walk past um, prison guards, knowing that you are calling us for bigger things. And Father God, when our time comes, I pray that you will look at us and you will say, well done, my faithful servant. Well done. I've trusted you with little. You've been faithful. Therefore, I trusted you with more and you remained faithful. Well done. That is my prayer this morning, Father God, that you will help us to be resilient, to be strong, and to know that all we need is you. The cross before us, the world behind us, no turning back, no turning back. May God bless you. I pray that you will have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for joining us. And please feel free to, to check out our website, uh, www.whynotimpact.com. Have an amazing day. Thank you.